by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I don't know why we keep talking about Elijah. If I'd have known it from the start, I'd have called this the Elijah series. But it just seems that every week God is talking about Elijah. We're going to talk about him again today because you are Elijah. Look at your neighbor. Say, you are Elijah. Don't forget. You're the one who will stand up to all those false gods of this world, to all the people who are sitting back with apathy in their life. You're the one that's going to stand forward, stand strong, call down the fire of God, and wipe out those prophets of the false gods. And grant victory to your God in this nation, in this hour, in this time. You are called for such a time as this. You are Elijah. You are the Elijah. Well, we got this thing whooped, don't we? <laughs> we went to the races last night. My daughter Kaylee was there, and she was sitting next to me. And, and I picked a number 99 car. He was on the front row. He was expected to win. He had won the other race. So I picked the one I knew was going to win, right? And she picked the one right next to him. He was on the front row for a reason, too, because he was supposed to come in second. Well, they hadn't made it one lap around the track. My guy ran smooth into the wall. <laughs> He's out of the race. And while they were doing the laps, waiting to get him off the track, somebody realized that her car's driver had forgot to put the gas can on his a gas lid on his gas tank. He was leaking gas all over the track. He had to leave the track. Neither one of them got to start the race. They hadn't finished the lap yet. So guess what? This ain't a sure thing. Being Elijah is waking up and putting your boots on every day. Because there's somebody out there wanting to take you out of the race. But we can't let him. So let's look. Elijah was just a man. He was just a man just like you are. He had his ups. He had his downs. He could have started out good that morning, and by that afternoon, he's like, woe is me. Have you ever, had, you ever been there? We are emotional. We have highs. We have lows. And we're going to talk about how to navigate the highs and the lows in the life of a human being today. And it's really very simple. And by the time we leave here, you're going to have the answer to stand strong in whatever storm you face, whether it's morning, noon, or afternoon. If you'll hook up and listen what God wants to say to you today. Let's go to 1 Kings 19. How many knows we've been in 1 Kings 18 telling the story about calling down fire? Well, let's, let's see Elijah as a human being here, not this superhero. Elijah, in chapter 1 Kings 19, says, When Ahab got home, the evil king, he told his evil wife Jezebel that everything that Elijah had done. Man, you should have been there, Jezebel. All those prophets that you put in place to, to serve your false god, he took them down to the river and killed them all. And all the people were with him. And God, his God answered by fire. So he told her that, 
including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you killed them. And Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. What? He just faced 950 grown men with knives. <laughs> he just faced the whole nation, stood on his own. And now a woman has got him running for his life. Hero to zero. Didn't make it around the first lap good. How many of you know a woman can do that to a man sometimes? Thank goodness I got a good woman. Woo! But she will put the fear of God in. No. <laughs> Elijah was afraid and he ran to the doghouse. No. All right, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. I looked up this town, Beersheba, and at that point in biblical history, that was the southernmost tip of what was known as Israel. There was a road called the, the Highway of the Patriarchs, and that, on that road, that was the last stop. That was the dead end. Beyond that, wilderness. So Elijah is running for, for his life. He dropped his servant off, said, here, you can stay in Israel if you want. I'm gone. He's running. Have you ever felt like, have you ever had a great victory? You led somebody to the Lord on Friday and on Saturday, you want to go to the club? I hope not, because Sunday's coming. <laughs> So he left his servant there, and then he went alone into the wilderness. Thank goodness he didn't drag somebody with him. Some of us would drag all our buddies with us. I seen people serving the Lord, and next thing you know, they said, come on, we, we're going back to token on the weed. We're going back. No, don't do that. And he went alone in the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. A broom tree is just a little old scrub brush. Just takes up the moisture out of the, the wilderness. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who already died. Now he's comparing himself to others. He's having a little pity party. Then he laid down and he slept under the broom tree. And as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up! Stop moping! Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And I'm here to tell you, you ain't through. There's a journey ahead. You're going to have to get up. Get up. 
Get you some of that hot bread of the Word of God. This is the bread of life. You're going to need it for the journey. Drink some of that jar of the Holy Spirit's water. So he got up and he ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elisha? What are you doing here? Is this where I called you to? Why are you in the wilderness? Why are you running from your calling? What are you doing here, Elijah? Mm. So Elijah was a man just like us. He had his ups and downs. And I, I would doubt that anybody in this room right now could say that, no, I'm always the one that calls down fire. I don't ever have a bad day. I can tell you from experience that after I call down fire from heaven, so to speak, in my life, it's in that moment that I'm gloating about how good I am is usually when I fall. So we're all in this boat together, and 2020 has been the spirit of Jezebel for many in the church. Drawing us away, like Chad said, putting us in fear, getting us out of our race, out of our calling, sending us into this wilderness land where we're just like, oh, I just might as well go on and die. ain't doing nothing better than my ancestors did. You know, even the Apostle Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt the two. Yeah, I'd rather go on to be in heaven with Jesus. It'd be much better. But he said, no, I can't do that. I'm down here with purpose. My life matters to other people. God has a calling on my life. I can't check out. And this is after he had been running his race for quite some time. Have we come so far? I think what Chad was saying today is just expressing his frustration. Have we come so far as a church to check out now? Have we come so far to flee into the wilderness? After we have stood up to the demons for so long and got victory after victory and lives changed after lives changed, now are we going to quit? Now in this hour to which you were called, it is for such a time as this. This is your hour. What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, I got really, really good news for you. If that's you, you've kind of checked out for a while. I understand. It don't matter if I understand. But I can identify it's been... It's been a journey, right? 2020 has been a journey. But I got good news. Getting back on track with your Christianity is very simple. It's not a 12-step program. It's a one-step program. It's simply repent and turn back and do the one thing. Do the one thing. You say, well, what's the one thing? That would be important to tell us. That's the name of today's message. You got one thing. Pivot. 
and do the one thing. Some of y'all will get that. Hopefully not many. Repent, pivot, and do the one thing. <laughs> okay, pastor, we're ready. Just tell us what the one thing is. Well, Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in Revelations chapter 2, starting in verse 4, he tells the church of Ephesus, I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as much as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. He says, turn back to me. Say, turn back to me. Pivot. Pivot. Repent. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Do the one thing. What was the thing we did at first? Oh, we simply came to Jesus and trusted him. It wasn't hard then, it ain't hard now. If you find yourself on the bus to Detroit and you want to go to Nashville, get off the bus, Gus. <laughs> Pivot. <laughs> Head back the other direction. Just trust Jesus again. Do it again. You say, oh, I've done this so many times. I'm getting a crick in my neck from turning around. Do it again. It's your one thing. What one thing? Remind me what it is, Pastor. In John 15, chapter 4, Jesus tells us, remain in me. Say, remain. Return and remain. Return and remain. Remaining is your one thing. Remain in me and I will remain in you. He's not the problem. He's not the one running to the wilderness. He's not leaving. You remain in him, he will remain in you. For the branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Picture a, a vine, right? Growing out of the ground, it's got little branches coming off of it. What happens if you break a branch off? I'm leaving. I'm not going the way of the patriarchs. I'm going past the dead end. You throw that branch down, it dries up. It becomes no good for anything but to throw into the fire. It's not getting the life-giving juice that the vine provides. He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. What are we called to be in this life? Fruitful. I think somebody out there is saying, that's what I'm supposed to be? Yeah, you remember that fruit of the Spirit that we talked about in Galatians 5 last week? Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, meekness, self-control, all those things. Some of you got the Scripture memorized. We're supposed to be producing fruit because we're hooked up with the life source, the vine. And just as the other branches are green and producing fruit. We're green and producing fruit because we're all hooked in to the vine. 
He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Our job as Christians is to produce fruit. How do we do it? We remain. Is that difficult to understand? I mean, I'm talking, God is talking in allegories. I guess that's what you'd call it. He's, he's painting a picture of a vine. But in real life, your job is to remain in Christ. That's our one thing. Say one thing. I'd hate for you to get to heaven and you have to answer for your one thing. You say, well, I, didn't know, I, was, I didn't even know what my one thing was. Your one thing is to remain as close as possible to Jesus. <laughs> That's not hard. That's a joy. That's something you get to do. And if you find yourself in the wilderness, return and remain. What is that juice in the vine? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus operated by the power of the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal bodies because you're hooked up with Jesus. The same power that Jesus walked in, it says that he had the Holy Spirit without measure because he and the Father were one. And he prayed in John 17 that we would be one with them. And so when we're grafted into the vine, now we're hooked up to the life-giving juice of the Holy Spirit. Now we automatically begin to pr produce fruit. We can't make life happen. Life is in the vine. We shouldn't have to struggle to be what we are. Some of us work so hard at being Christians. Now, I know I'm stepping on a toe or two here because I spent most of my life, once I got saved, I was like trying to be this good person, trying to obey and trying to live by my works, constantly frustrated that I wasn't reading the Bible enough, doing this enough, mad at myself, upset with myself, trying to be what I just really needed just to be because I am. Even God said, I am what I am. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Because he hooked me into the vine. And we're struggling to produce fruit. You ever seen an apple tree say, I'm going to produce an apple. Ugh. Did you see Jesus when he did his miracle? Hold on, let me work myself up before I do this miracle. Let me pray in the Holy Ghost for 20 minutes. Let me... Let me He didn't. He didn't have to beg the Father to produce a miracle because he and the Father were one all the time. He stayed with the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. Me and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you'll stay, if you'll remain in the vine, when they see you, they'll see the Father. It's not hard. 
We would rather do it in our own works. We'd rather say, look at me. Look how good I've been acting. Look how many times I've been going to church. The problem is we don't want to read the Word because we're just doing it to, to make ourselves feel good. It's our motivation. If our motivation is to be with Jesus, if it's in the relationship, reading the Bible is something you can't wait to do. Spending time with him is something you love to do. Going to church and being with other like-minded people is, is where you want to be. It's not a struggle to be who you are. We've made it because we've, we don't understand our one thing. Why am I yelling again? Angie said, you yell a lot. The apple tree doesn't struggle to produce apples, but it must stay planted. If the apple tree jumps up, then it's going to wither and die just like the branch. We've got to stay planted. Jesus preached to the multitudes. But when he got through preaching, most of the crowd dispersed. It was only the disciples that kept walking with Jesus for the rest of the week. And we got a church in America where most people just say their religion is on Sunday morning. If they, if they go that far, if they dare to give Jesus that hour, they heard the sermon. But they're not plugged in to Jesus the rest of the week. They're the crowd. And God loves the crowd, but he's, he's more interested in a congregation. And more interested in a congregation, he's, he's interested in a core. He's interested in those who will do life with him. And who will let that life-giving power produce real fruit in their lives, that their Christianity will be more than a moniker, it will be a life that they have created in fellowship and in, in relationship, true relationship with Jesus. Are we good with just a, a weekly sermon? Is that, that snack going to last you all week? I need him every day. And I want him every day. Jesus is life, and in his presence, Life is automatically produced. When is the last time you had Jesus, Jesus' presence on a Tuesday in your life? You said prayer? Yeah. But there's, it's usually about 10 folks at prayer. But for the majority of us, when is the last time we had Jesus in our life on a Monday? The presence of God. When is the last time we craved after life himself? We want to do it in our own strength. I got my own life. Do you really? Because Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And anything, he who builds a house labors in vain if they don't do it in the Lord. You're building something that's temporary. Man, I'm getting way off track. Let me get back on you know, the first time I sinned after I got saved, I mean, a whopper sin, you know, 
Something. <laughs> I ain't gonna tell you what it was, but you know, I got saved and then I did something. I said, I know God ain't pleased with that. I just felt so bad. I felt terrible. I wanted to go and hide, just like Adam and Eve did when they first sinned. I tried to go hide, but God knew all my hiding places. And he searched me out like he did Adam and Eve. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You know, I found out God was serious about that First John 1, 9 thing. That if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I got it. He did. He actually forgave me when I felt like, man, I, I've messed up now. There's no way he could love me after all he did for me, and I did him like this. But he searched me out, and he began to show me that I wasn't perfect. I was a man like Elisha. I was going to have good days. I was going to have bad days. And I was going to have a lot of bad days until I learned to live in Christ. And I was resisting living in Christ because I was feeling bad about myself because I liked some of the things I was doing in darkness and didn't want to come into the light. But the few times I came into the light began to draw me in until I didn't want to do the things in the darkness no more. And when I did the things in the darkness, I asked for forgiveness, and his forgiveness made me see his mercy, and it made me love him more, and then I wanted more of his grace in my life. And then my life became, began to be, I want to be in Christ. Every day, every minute, uh, every waking hour. And then I began to sin less and less. It began to be less and less hard to be who I was called to be. Because now I was in real relationship with my real Savior who is tangible to me on a daily basis. And not some religious far off God that I got to give my laundry list of requests to every, every month or so. Or, or call on when I get in trouble. But he was real to me day by day. And, and then my life began to produce fruit I had no frame of reference from what what a, a real family looked like in God's eyes Ephesians chapter 4 we're going to start in verse 15 it says instead we speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ how do you grow more and more like Christ how can two walk together unless they be agreed you walk with him you begin to agree with him you begin to agree with him you begin to act like him you begin to act like him you begin to look like him growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of the body the church say the church so I had no frame of reference for what God's family looked like I didn't understand that God gave us a family down here if ours didn't reflect him, we got one now. It's called the church. We have a family down here. It's also known as God's family. And it says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Do you know you got special work in the church? And it helps other parts grow. We help each other. So that the whole body is healthy and growing 
and full of love. Doesn't that sound like the family you want to be in? It does. And this is that body. For those of you who made Passion Church your local church, your home family, those of you that are thinking about it and are being welcomed in right now, look in my eyes. <laughs> we want this family to grow. And we want you to do your special part. We want to help you do your special part. Remember we talked about the Aspen Grove a couple of weeks ago, how they look like just a grove of trees, each standing there individually. But if you go beneath the surface, they're all connected to the same root system. And they're all really part of one living organism. They all are individuals above ground, but below ground, they're all one. And that's what the church is. We're all hooked up to the same vine. And we're all partaking. And we all have special gifts that's meant to help each other. So we, we got to stay hooked up for each other. You're saying, well, it don't matter if I don't come to church. It don't matter if I don't tune in. Yes, it does. We need your special gifts. Because we all partake of one another. The church is a Christian greenhouse. It's where, it's where we flourish. It's where we all come and, and partake together and we grow together. It's the grove where you belong. People have cheapened the church. The devil has hammered even church, even godly folks that are churchgoers. He's, he's hammered the church for so long that we've begun to take his opinion of the church and spread it out on our Facebook pages. The church sucks. The church does fill of hypocrites. We're, we're saying worse stuff than the devil does about the church. But the church is God's family. Be careful how you talk about God's family. We're a fun church, even if the pastor does yell. <laughs> That's what he told us when I became pastor. We're going to be a fun church. It was like a, a wet blanket lifted. We had been through hard times, and when we heard that it's okay to have fun, that the family can have fun together and serve God, in fact, they should, you know. Merry heart does good like a medicine. Joy of the Lord is your strength. We should have fun together. And so we wrote that banner there, who we are, what our culture is as a church, and it, it has been beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, there's been times where I'm still trying to figure out why it didn't work in the way I, we planned. There's not to say we don't have tough times, not to say that things don't get really difficult at times. But we know how to breathe. And we've put things in place to help us flourish, like life groups. And I think August 22nd is Saturday, August 22nd is our life group sign up for our fall semester. And these are not just programs. This is what we do. This is so that you can get to know people within the church and have real relationships, not Sunday morning relationships. More than, hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. But what you got going on tomorrow kind of relationships. People that's going to help you. People's gifts that you need, you're going to be hooked up with. 
And we got people that's leading these life groups that are shepherds after God's own heart to shepherd you and to help you do life. Uh, I'm going to quote somebody in the church. Her name is Brenda Sumner. Now, this is a paraphrase. I'm not exactly sure what you said, Miss Brenda, but you told me about a week ago, you said Christians fruit is meant something that they produce meant to give away, not to rot on the branch. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. So you say, but I, I got my own relationship with Jesus. I don't hook up with the church. That's too much trouble. And it is a lot of trouble dealing with people. But you're not producing that fruit for yourself. The tree don't eat its own fruit. It is for the other people to partake of. And if you're just getting yours and not helping the other people in the church, not reaching out to the community, you got all this rotten fruit. You're all puffed up sitting on that little purple chair with all this wisdom, all this knowledge, but you're not applying it. Elijah was on that mountaintop running from God. God says, why are you here, Elijah? What are you doing? And all of a sudden, the wind began to blow on that mountain. This is a horrible wind. Dust flying, rocks, pebbles just going crazy. And Elijah was paying attention. He was from inside that cave, but God wasn't in the wind. And then the, the ground underneath his feet, what's normally solid, began to shake. Shake terribly. And he's looking around. Where is God in this? But God wasn't in the earthquake. Maybe some of you are saying, you're describing 2020, Pastor. Yeah, I am. And then there was a fire. Just consuming everything all around. And I can imagine his, the hair on his arms was singed. It was so hot. And he, but God wasn't in the fire. And then there was a gentle whisper. And that was God. You know what he did? He put his cloak around his head and he walked to the edge of the cave and he listened for the gentle whisper of God. God is not in all this craziness in the world. You're not going to find God listening to earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> You're not going to find God upset about what's happening in the earth with the wind and the fire. You're not going to be find it being afraid of what's happening with the earth, wind, and the fire. God's not in it. God is in the gentle whisper. And you're going to have to quiet down. You're going to have to come out of the cave and into the presence of God to hear his voice. You got one thing. 
The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And I hadn't either. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You got to forget your bad days and you got to move on. You got to get you some sustenance because the journey's long ahead. Looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Where is your calling found? It's through Christ Jesus. Where are the promises of God? In Christ Jesus. Everything that you do that will produce fruit, produce life in your life is in Christ Jesus. In Him alone. So to sum up my message, our success is not in our ability. It is in our proximity. It's not in your ability. Stop trying to be a Christian and be one. If you walk with Jesus, you will prevail. If you don't, you won't. You say, how does that practically work in my life? How do I, how do I get that promotion at my job? Why don't you pray about it? Why don't you press into Christ and see, does he even want you at that job? Why don't you begin, everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everything. You say, but, what, but I got this going on. He had the answer before that even came up. He, he knew that before you was even born that you were going to face that. He is your answer. In every situation, everything that you need. Any questions on that? Is there anybody going to leave here today without knowing their one thing? That just doesn't seem practical, Pastor. That just seemed like pie in the sky preaching. All right, keep doing it in your own strength. We'll check your fruit later and see how you're doing. Didn't you make him, Lord? Didn't you say, I trust you, Jesus, with my life? Are you afraid that he can't take, take you to the finish line? Are you afraid that he's not going to finish this good work that he has started in you? He is. Only he can do it. Only he can get you where he's called you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.